Hello and welcome to A Day Of, a podcast about Biffy Clyro. My name is Simon Dowling. So I'm chatting to uh, an old friend and fellow ex-Biffy boarder, Andrew. Um, we met years ago and our bands, so my band Titan Grip and his band, former band, Reginald, uh, played a gig in Newcastle that we played together uh, quite a few years ago. But, you know, we, we met through being Biffy Clyro fans. There's no denying that. Um, so, Andrew, do you want to tell us a little bit about your Biffy relationship and, and how you got into Biffy Clyro? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I was probably, I think I was, I would have been 13, I think, when I first heard them. Um, as, you know, most 13-year-olds, I was a bit obsessed with buying Kerrang! Uh, every week. And there was a few, uh, they start, there was a period where they would sort of give away free CDs quite a lot. And I discovered quite a lot of music that way. But at the time, I was pretty much exclusively into either pop punk or System of a Down, essentially. Um, yeah. But uh, then, so this, so some kind of wizard was actually the first Biffy song I heard, which was on one of those free CDs. And I remember I was, my mum and dad had driven me to Carlisle for the day to go shopping or something like that. And I'd, I'd, they were they were pretty good that way. They like let me put the Kerrang CD on in the car on the way home, even though a lot of it I'm sure they absolutely hated. But I remember the Biffy Biffy song came on, and obviously, first of all, I'd read through the track list and kind of. That it jumps out, obviously a weird name, weird song name as well. And then I put it on, and yeah, just I hadn't really ever heard anything like that before, as kind of cliched as that is. And so, and then yeah, kind of kept repeating that song. And then Jaggy Snake was on a few weeks, the same CD a few weeks later. And then yeah, I just became obsessed and just instantly dropped my guitar to drop D and started <laughs> copying them with everything that I'd uh, everything I had. And my, me and like my three or four best friends who had kind of who like we all kind of got into them that way at the same time then just became absolutely obsessed with them i went to see them you know a lot as a teenager um but yeah it all stemmed down to that free free cd from from kerrang really initially um i mean it's i remember that cd i think i think i've still got it somewhere but um (laughs) it's, it's it had uh it's called the nominees and it was like bands that were nominated for kerrang awards Right, and yeah. the first track was Geek Stink Breath by Green Day, which is a, a, a song from eight years earlier. So I have no idea why, yeah, <laughs> that, whether that song was nominated or whether Green Day were nominated and they just didn't fucking like what songs they were putting out. <laughs> so they were like, oh, we'll just use Geek Stink Breath, but maybe yeah. it was a, li- a lifetime achievement award or something. But I always find that Possibly. funny. But I do, I do remember some kind of wizard being on there, being on that Kerrang CD, and then I think. Yeah. Yeah, a few a few months later, Jaggy Snake was on that best of two thousand and four. Uh, yeah, yeah, that'll CD, be right. That'll be right. Along um, with uh, a decade under the influence by Take a Back Sunday, which oh. that's where I first, I believe, that's where I first heard that song. So, nice, yeah, that's, it was a good it was a good era for uh, for free CDs with magazines. That and the Rock Sound CDs every month were where I basically learned about any new bands. Pretty much, uh, they were pretty yeah. good. Yeah, the, uh, the annoying thing some, actually learned about uh, some dreadful bands too. Yeah, that's true. Actually, the annoying thing about that was though that um, so, like I said, I was in I was in Carlisle at the time uh, shopping, and literally in the same I think it was in the same magazine was an advert for a tour, but the Carlisle date had already happened, and it was Biffy Clyro and Ruben, who are obviously Ruben then went on to be probably 
along with Difficult Hour, my favourite band of, of my sort of younger years. And I missed it by about a week or two by getting into them. So it was uh, now looking back on that, quite uh, quite upsetting. But I was only 13 at the time. I couldn't have, uh, couldn't blame myself too much, to be fair. True. And, it, and it's not like you didn't have the opportunity to see Biffy, you know, multiple, multiple times within the, uh, the, the years following that. Um, obviously, Ruben less so, sadly. Sadly, yeah. no longer a band, but, uh, you know. Because yep. you yeah, did, no. did, did you do a Ruben covers band? Yeah, yeah. Me and, um, me and my brother did a, a two-piece Ruben covers uh, band for a bit called Tubin. Uh, obviously, uh, the name came straight to us there. But no, yeah. So, <laughs> um, I've and uh, yeah, and as I said before, when me and my friends became obsessed with Biffy back in the day and we would... And we instantly downtuned all our guitars, pretty much, even though, you know, we were trying to be a proper band at that stage. Every gig we still played, like, a different Biffy song as a cover. We, the Go Slow was our, our go-to cover in the band, but we would, we would sort of mix it up. And even though we were still, you know, we were trying to become a proper band who wrote our own songs at that point, we would always just play at least one Biffy cover just for, for the hell of it, because we were all, we were all properly obsessed, to be fair. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's. I, th- I think my yeah my band never did a Biffy cover live, but we used them as warm ups in the practice room every time. Yeah, um, absolutely. Eradicate the doubt was always the was always the top choice, I think. And then then folding stars because it's so easy to play was like good to get you <laughs> good to get your eye in. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So so speaking of seeing them live, like how many times do you think you've you've seen Biffy? Yeah, I was, I was trying to think of this. I reckon. I reckon probably somewhere between fifteen and twenty, I would say. Um, quite a lot, not as many as some hardcore uh, fans, but yeah. And obviously, I'd say none of I've seen them probably once or twice in the past ten years. So they were all quite they're all quite concentrated. <laughs> um, I mean, where yeah, I would go very similar. Tour. Yeah, very similar to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, every tour we would go to either Glasgow, or Newcastle. Um, I think the first time I saw them properly, I saw them at uh, Leeds Festival before I'd actually heard of them, and I was—I remember, I think I was twelve at that point. My dad took me, and I was waiting for someone like All American Rejects or Sugar Cult or something to come on. And at that point, it was <laughs> a bit too noisy for me, and so I did see them before I—I'd ever heard of them and wasn't too impressed as a as a as an even younger uh, kid. But yeah, then after that, yeah, I think the first time I saw them was the warm up warm-up shows for the King Tut's album gigs. I didn't get a ticket to the actual album gigs, but they did a warm-up at the Liquid Rooms where they sort of played some of their more unusual songs that they were sort of rehearsing, warming up for, and that's probably still one of the best gigs I've been to. Again, we, to, me and two of my friends went up. My, my dad drove us up after after school one day to Edinburgh, which is a couple hours away. Um, yeah, I watched. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely incredible. And, uh, yeah, they played stuff like... Man of his pollen posture, which I hadn't seen loads, of, yeah, loads of stuff, uh, which yeah, I, would I was, never, I was never there as well. Oh, well, yeah, nice. It was an amazing. Yeah, I, we didn't know each other then, but yeah, we were both in that, both in that room. It is on YouTube, by the way. The full sound oh, desk no recording. It's like it's crystal clear sound desk recording. Uh, is on is on YouTube, so we'll send you the link because I listen oh. to it all of the time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna definitely have to send that to to my mate Barry. Uh, we talk about that gig quite a lot still. Uh, so yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely have to share that with him. It's definitely up there with the best gigs I've been to. Yeah, I had a deep fried Mars bar afterwards, and I, uh, <laughs> I regret, I regret every moment of eating that deep fried Mars bar. <laughs> yeah, as well. It's a visit to Scotland. It's got to be done. Yeah. So do you, do you still kind of keep your eye in with Biffy Clyro? Do you still like 
did you drop off at all like kind of a lot of those back in the day fans did or do you still do you yeah. still listen to them I'd say I dropped off. I do remember there were a point there being a point where I always said this is my favorite band whenever anyone sort of asked me or anything and then there was a point where I kind of realized that they're you know they're not actually my favorite band anymore but in terms of the new output I, I still I, I loved puzzle thought puzzle was was amazing um only ever only revolutions I still really liked but that was probably the moment where I started to drop off a bit I actually think listening I've listened back to the kind of back catalog quite a bit the sort of newer stuff recently and um some of it some of it I, I mean I still I still love it but it just kind of as I'm sure a lot of people do and say just kind of in my head it's just a slightly different band nowadays um so I do listen to them and I picked up the new album listened to that quite a bit I think that's I think that's pretty good I wasn't as sold on ellipsis albeit there's still a few a few bangers on there um so yeah there's still there's still definitely a band where I still listen to them in every song I enjoy and every song and every album comes out I still listen to it quite a bit and love it but um yeah definitely not as definitely not as hardcore fan as I was where I could uh I could sing you the sing you the guitar part of every song up until about up until about puzzle and then kind of drops off after there but like I said still 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 a fan still a fan yeah I mean that's pretty much exactly the same as me like I I was the same Biffy were part of my identity and then kind of slowly got replaced by Manchester Orchestra and Frightened Rabbit and yeah. then you know, but still, they would be there. I would be there on release day buying the record. I would listen to it over and over, even if I didn't particularly like it. It was still like a, an important kind of release that I would always do. A bit like you know, probably Metallica fans do. Like who will just yeah. go out and and they've they've been going for so long now that you to give up would just be a futile thing. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it feels weird. Like I, I remember when it came, when the when the new album came out recently, I did feel a bit weird. It's probably the first one where I, it kind of took me by surprise. I was like, "Ah, oh, no way! But if you've got, but if you've got a new album out or coming out," and so I did make a point the day it came out of kind of listening to it properly, which I don't, unless it's an album that I properly am really excited for nowadays. I don't do too often, and instead of you know just having it on in the background, I kind of made a point of sitting down and listening to it because, like you said, it's just, it still feels important, and I feel slightly feels slightly like I'm betraying them if I don't give it a sort of proper chance. If that makes sense. I mean, I'm I'm so out of the. I mean, I'm I'm in my thirties, so I'm very out of the loop of uh, of like new music. Um, I like there's there's actually I think there's a scientific study that says that once one you once you reach thirty one, you stop finding new music. <laughs> so once I discovered that, I was like, I'm going to make a concerted effort to listen to loads of new bands. So I would like I'd go to Primavera and I'd listen to every band playing, and I'd inevitably just go and see the band with Mike Patton in. <laughs> You know, like yeah, teenage, yeah, yeah. teenage fan club, and then yeah. like the big hitters. I, you know, I wasn't trolling through small stages watching these like obscure new artists. I would just end up going and seeing some, eating some comfort food, essentially. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, there's definitely there's there's you just you know when I was younger, I had like essentially an insatiable appetite for new bands, don't you? And I'm sure you were the same. But then, yeah, I think it's because I spend less of my time being obsessed with music nowadays in terms of like like when i was younger i would just permanently be reading about music and all that sort of stuff so nowadays because you get less opportunity to do so you kind of fall back on the old reliable favorites a bit more don't you yeah um, i mean do you know do you know what i blame i blame podcasts like the time the time yeah. that i waste on my commute and things like that listening to podcasts that i'm that i'm not listening to new music then uh, you know that's I, a good I, point I fully actually. blame podcasts it's yeah, not I don't blame Spotify or algorithms or anything. It's it's 100% podcasts. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a good show actually. Uh, I hadn't really thought about that till now, but yeah, I think if I if there was if there was a graph of yeah my music listening and my podcast listening, they'd probably have kind of crossed exactly the same point. I think you're right. <laughs> and this is why I'm doing a Biffy Clyro podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of a mashup then, isn't it? Music and yeah. podcast, it kind of comes. Yeah, I should have picked a new band really, but instead, nope, <laughs> it's that comfort food that I'm after. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the song "Some Kind of Wizard," the song that got you into into Biffy Clyro. Um, obviously, being a being a guitarist, I feel like kind of have a different approach to understanding and appreciating Biffy Clyro songs. Um, like, what is it other than the fact that it was the the song that got you into Biffy Clyro? Is there anything in particular about "Some Kind of Wizard" that you that you really love? Yeah, I think I think just like this might be related to it being the first song, but just the opening, the kind of opening weird jangly riff followed by the kind of massive kick in with a kind of bit of double kick drum, which again was a something I became quickly obsessed with in music was a bit of a bit of that. It's a combination of even even like I said, even now looking back on it, knowing like all the Biffy songs, obviously, it's still one that sticks out because I think it of that era it kind of sums it up really well i think it's it's kind of short sharp like a bit mad um a bit like discordant um the lyrics are kind of and i've never been much of a, a lyrics man um certainly wasn't back then i think it's probably more nowadays but that's because like i said at the time when you're when you're 14 and just just kind of getting into properly playing guitar that was what jumped out at me and so but i think the lyrics because of that they're a bit weird, and again, they go to me. They don't make that much sense. Um, <laughs> and but I think that's for what I was looking for at the time. That's fine. Some of, it's a bit tongue in cheek, a bit lighthearted. Um, the lyrics, in in a way, and kind of a bit a bit playful and not too not too serious. Um, so I think it's just a good combination of everything, really. I think. Um, but yeah, certainly the main thing that stands out is just the kind of the initial jangly riff, the the kick in, and then that kind of. Um, that kind of beat throughout the song really i'd say yeah i mean i i agree i think the it's the template of the song is is still that like kind of weird biffy like the the majority the bulk of the song is in four four but then every now and again it goes to like three four or two four or seven four like yeah exactly it's just it's hard to hard to keep track of and I, i guess playing the guitar made it easier for me to keep track of the song but I mean, with, with with the lyrics, obviously, I I recently discovered that Simon often wrote lyrics that deliberately made no sense, and they basically just fit, um, which which broke my heart when I'm trying to do a podcast in which I analyze what he's trying to say through his lyrics. But there's always a subtext there. But yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. I I enjoy this song because of how like how how tongue in cheek it is. You know, it's got like. I mean, I love the the line, the insert your own joke here. Like, instead, yeah, exactly. of, instead of writing a lyric, he's written a lyric about how his lyrics are jokes. Like, I think it's nice and, yeah, nice yeah. and playful. Yeah, and I think that's that's the kind of main line that I was thinking of when I was sort of talking about that kind of tongue-in-cheek nature. And that's something that I think I kind of, I, as someone who was in a band and was the default singer of the band without really wanting to be the singer and therefore wrote the lyrics, Something else yeah. that I kind of liked about it was that I never, I always struggled with writing really serious lyrics, and our lyrics were always in my band were always quite a bit jokey and a bit tongue in cheek and that sort of stuff. And that really 
again, that really had a big influence on me here in the band who are kind of like it doesn't it doesn't always make sense, but then sometimes yeah, just having a bit of a having a bit of a joke about it and having a bit of a laugh about it. Um, there's some other really good. I think there are some good lines in this song. I, I like sort of just after that is quick unstitch my eyes before they stick together. I really like that. I don't really know what it means, but I just really like the sort of the wording of it. Um, yeah, I, to discuss like eagles again. Don't really know what that's about. Yeah, but not, not a clue. Yeah, no, but sounds sounds cool. And yeah, I, I, the last line, to be fair, even as a um, the last line, which is released the volume of our history. I think that's just a really nice line, to be fair. And like I said, there's some of the other ones I like are kind of the nonsensical, jokey ones, but I think that's a really nice, a nice, uh, a nice line to finish the song on. Yeah, I think even even with even without being able to pick like a narrative out of his lyrics, they're always really like colourful and evocative, and yet you can immediately like picture something, even if it doesn't make any sense. It's spreading from my lungs, it's spreading to my tongue, has your picture in like a disease or whatever, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean the song's about a disease. And then yeah, like you say, I do like the quick unstitch my eyes. I think it, it really helps that the way that Simon writes lyrics is that he writes lyrics that fit the beat of the song, which makes the lyrics stick a bit more. You know, he's not he's not like writing poetry and then going backwards and trying to make that fit into a song, which is kind of how I sometimes wrote lyrics. I would write something down or I would like use lyrics from a song that I haven't like hadn't finished and try and make them fit. And then that kind of never made them as catchy as they could be. Whereas the way that yeah. Simon and funnily enough, Bono writes lyrics <laughs> is to like pick, pick that melody out and then start humming and then try and turn those hums into into words and even if they don't make sense sometimes they're really kind of rich and evocative and, and a lot of fun yeah that's interesting uh, yeah i was certainly again like i said because i was a sort of reluctant lyricist i've i've never written a song never written lyrics before writing the music and so i think this was probably quite similar to how i did things in that yeah, you kind of come up with like we always had an instrumental song, and then I would just be like, right, this is the this is the pattern I need the words to be in, and so yeah, it probably meant that our that the words weren't quite as nice and um, poetic as they could have been, but it was a bit more right. We need a two syllable word here, sort of thing. A bit, a bit yeah. more of that. So, so no, I, I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I ever had like a lyrics book. You know what I mean? I don't think I no. ever like. <laughs> there was never like a moment where inspiration struck me and I was like, Oh, I must note this down. And then, yeah. Yeah. I would would have loved to have been because I had obviously a lot of my favorite artists when I was reading about them, when I was a teenager in a band and all that, they would all talk about it. And I think I've, I've probably got two or three lyrics books kicking around in my teenage bedroom boxes that have like one page written in them. And then, (laughs) because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And then couldn't. Yep. I've got one, I've got a, a book that upstairs and the reason I haven't got rid of it is because it's got Biffy Clara's autographs in, but it's, um, it's, nice. it's a lyric, lyric book that I, that I got. It's got the, f- the first page has the title of a song and the title of that song is Cock Foster Square, which is the end of one of the tube lines, <laughs> which is a, a word that I found funny with yeah, no, well, with yeah. no lyrics written underneath it. <laughs> um, and then on the next page is uh, Biffy Clara's autographs from when I met them in Sheffield. <laughs> so, that's, that's, what a book that is. What a book. Yeah, I know. So it's, you know, that'll be worth something one day, I imagine. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, have you, have you, like, obviously, having seen them so many times, did you ever meet Biffy Clara? Did you ever have the, the honour of meeting them? Um, the only time I actually ever met them was, um, at, so yeah, it was probably like 2000 and 
maybe seven at, um, at download. It's the only time I've ever I ever queued to go in a, one of the signing tents. Um, but it was one of the type. Like, again, I was there with a couple of mates. We had, I don't know about you, but especially at that age when I was like sort of 15, 16, I spent most of my festival. I, I've, uh, I'm a bit of an anomaly, especially as a Scottish person, in that I don't drink and I've, I've never really drunk. Um, and so, but my friends were all smashed at this point of festivals, but I would mostly spend <laughs> my festivals running from stage to stage trying to watch literally as many bands as I could. But there was a rare sort of moment where there was an hour or two with nothing on that I was that bothered about and decided to queue up for a bit and, and go into the sign and tent and meet uh, Biffy because I'd, I'd never done it and I felt like I kind of should, <laughs> I kind of wanted to. Although obviously I had the Don't Meet Your Heroes sticking in the back of my head just in case, but I'd obviously heard nothing but lovely things yeah, about them. So yeah, they're uh, really nice guys. Yeah, so I thought it was safe to do it, and yeah, they, I mean they were. It was it was it was great at the time as a sort of fifteen, sixteen year old, which was the height of my love probably for them. It was it was a massive it was a massive highlight, and they were as gentlemanly and and polite as uh, as you can imagine. I can't I can't remember what we what we uh, talked about now, but. Um, it was yeah, it was great. It was really good at the time. To be fair, really good. I remember that. Um, I remember that that show, and I because I think they they like second headlined the one of the I think it was this the second or third stage maybe, and yeah, I remember being really disappointed that the set list was really short. I think yeah yeah, played, yeah I remember that yeah. It only played like six songs because I remember I remember watching the end of my vitriol, um, waiting for Biffy to come on. And then, yep. like Biffy start and opened with fifty seven, and then just played songs off Puzzle, and that was it. And it was like, I remember being a bit disappointed, but like still, yeah. still lapping up every minute of it. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was only meant to be there for the day because um, I went to see Biffy and then Head Automatica, nice. and a band called Feeble Wiener were meant to be playing earlier in the day, who I loved, but they they'd pulled out um, and I got replaced. That. Yeah, they, they, I fucking love that band. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, got... yeah. I only, I was gonna say, I only knew one or two of their songs, but uh, I, I actually picked that back up list, uh, recently. A Feeble Wiener song, uh, Sandy Must Ready. It's an absolute. Oh, what a what food. a banger! I mean, yeah. they just they were just like they kind of filled a gap in 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 my heart that Weezer had had left by writing kind of bad music. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was only meant to be there for one day, and then we'd uh, we didn't have camping tickets. So I was staying in a campsite, which was like nearby. So I had to like walk back to this campsite in the middle of nowhere. I didn't have a sleeping bag. So I was like absolutely freezing. And then the next day, my mates who were like, had been there for the weekend texted me and like, oh, um, what the, like, if you lose your wristband, all they're asking for is your already ripped ticket. So he was like, so I'll meet you at Tesco in the morning, like in the village nearby with like, with somebody else's ticket. And then you can just come and be like, oh, I've lost my wristband. Oh, so I ended up sneaking into the to this <laughs> to the Sunday, um, and get mainly to see Ruben because they they like opened the main stage. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then they did an acoustic set later in the day, I believe. In like that's a little, uh, yeah, that's, it was it was that's funny actually that year we um we actually won they did they had this competition on the main stage screens to text in and meet a band and uh. We actually oh. wanted to go backstage and meet Ruben that year as well. Um, oh, sweet! And it was a bit, it was a bit awkward because it was for two people, and I was there with two friends. So uh, one of my friends, we, they had they had a bit of rock paper scissors to decide who was coming back. But there, it was it was class. Went backstage, met Ruben, bumped in, literally as in bumped into, um, which obviously as a 
16-year-old almost knocked me over into Howard Jones from Killswitch Engage. Oh, sweet, yeah. Um, we also saw, oh, I can't remember who it was now, someone from some 80s hair metal band that I didn't really recognise, but my friend did. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty good. That, so yeah, that was, that was the year I met biffy and ruben i think so pretty good pretty good year that's that's a that's a good good little weekend that i do yeah. remember um the the other scottish band flood of red the scottish band played yeah, yeah, on, yeah. This, on the sunday as well yeah they're, I, they're, a, they're a great band back in the day i always found it weird because i'm sure one of them is like is one of them like their dad like there's a dude in the band who's like their dad <laughs> <laughs> I think i'm maybe. not sure actually yeah i don't know whether he's their dad or whether he's just bald <laughs> and like I was me as like a kind of nineteen year old assumed that old bald people were old, but um <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's like a dude in full of red who I was convinced was one of their dads, but I might have just made that up in my head and now I've just like <laughs> that's just part of part of the history of that band now. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, well thanks for thanks for chatting to me about uh about some kind of wizard and, and, and Biffy Clyro and stuff. So um it was lovely no to catch up. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's uh yeah, it's it's been a good uh been a good bit of nostalgia, a good reminiscing, and uh yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. No bother. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you for listening to a day of. My name's Simon Dowling. You can follow on Twitter at a day of podcast, and you can email a day of podcast at gmail.com and please leave reviews on iTunes or wherever if you fancy it. You can also send in voice notes at anchor.fm slash a day of, and you can also find links there to the podcast on all the different platforms. Again, thank you for listening.